Hi, welcome to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host and owner of the Blog Cabin. Today I'm chatting with Dr. Nicole Cranley, who's one of my good friends, and she's from the Doctorette. We're chatting about the imposter syndrome. What is it? Who suffers from it? And how you can overcome it? Now guess what I need you to do? That's right. Start listening. Hey y'all, if you know me in real life, you know that what you see is what you get. I'm pretty authentic. But you'll also hear me say how much I love supporting worthwhile causes and people. I feel like support, that's basically where you put your money, is the most powerful tool that the internet has to offer. And it gives you a voice to your dollars. The cool folks at Anchor have made a way for you to support your favorite podcasts, such as Chats from the Blog Cabin. If you're in the U.S., You can visit my podcast profile on desktop or mobile browser to give a little monetary support each month, whatever you can afford, basically. If you do want to donate, it will be greatly appreciated. So go to my page, Chats from the Blog Cabin. You can find my page at anchor.fm backslash Chats from the Blog Cabin. I'll do my best to pay it forward through content and giving back. chats from the blog cabin today i'm joined by my really good friend nicole and we're going to be talking about the imposter syndrome so nicole tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so hi everyone very excited to be here with melissa and uh so what about me so i have a phd in public health and a background in uh, behavioral health and i have a master's in psychology and kind of through my my research and my background I became really interested in issues like burnout and resilience and imposter syndrome. And so I actually ended up probably about maybe four or five years ago, started public speaking um, about issues related to, to burnout uh, and imposter syndrome. I know I've heard you speak on it several times. Matter of fact, I took a trip to, what, 20 minutes away to hear you speak at the Johnson County's Women's League. Yes, that was such a great event. I um I can't wait till we get to do things like that again. <laughs> Tell me about it. That's one thing I miss is going to events and seeing people in person instead of like FaceTime chatting or Zoom calls or these chats in the blog cabin. Yeah, but I mean, you know, these are great too. You know, we have to use the technology that we have to try and stay connected the best we can. And I think uh, things like this really kind of make everything a little easier. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Now. Tell us about the imposter syndrome. What is it for people that don't understand what it is or don't know what it is? Yeah, so um, the imposter syndrome uh, was kind of coined really back in the 70s, um, was thought to be uh, an affliction that only impacted women. 
Um, and so uh, it was it was pretty well established that um, you know women were the only people that suffered from the negative impacts of this. However, we know that's not the case. And really kind of what it boils down to is that it's just like what the name implies. It's a psychological term that refers to a pattern of behavior where people doubt their accomplishments. They think that they will be exposed as a fraud, that they don't deserve the things that they've accomplished in life. Now, I know that you, you're a doctor. Sometimes you say that sometimes you don't feel like in the beginning, like using that, like you felt like a fraud yourself. So yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. I, I think there's been some pretty good research that has shown that about 70% of people in general experience uh, symptoms of imposter syndrome at some point in their life. Um, and it's, uh, unfortunately, it's kind of like the plague of high achievers, right? So anybody that's really trying to accomplish something, and it doesn't mean that doesn't mean like a doctorate, it could be like trying to earn or learn a new hobby or pursue a different career. It doesn't necessarily have to mean you're trying to accomplish something big in the way that oftentimes we kind of think it is. And uh, I've definitely felt it. I know that um, when I finished my doctorate and I went into my, my postdoctoral fellowship at UNC, I um, kind of struggled with this. Um, you're still in training technically because you're becoming more niche as an expert. Um, but at the same time, you're still having to be the expert. So like your student learning and expert at the same time. And sometimes, um, you know, you kind of call into question your own expertise and your own opinions. And, you know, that can be, that can be hard. So how can people overcome the imposter syndrome? You know, I know there's some hard steps to take. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is like my favorite part about talking about imposter syndrome is because, you know, we can talk about what it is all day, right? It sucks. We know what it feels like. We know what it feels to have a uh, fear of failure, to feel this crippling sense of perfectionism. Like if we're not perfect, we can't achieve something. And even when we do achieve it, we think, oh, well, that was just luck. You know, I got this job because I was lucky. I got this job because of who I know. When really those, you know, whether you believe in luck or not, that's your own thing. But you might have gotten it, you know, partially because of who you know, but you still got it because of your own merit. You still worked to get there. You still got the education and the training and you put in the effort of uh, redoing your resume and applying for jobs and all of these hoops you have to jump through. Um, so, you know, figuring out what we can do to make ourselves um, better our defenses against imposter syndrome. That's the stuff I like to talk about. So um, the first thing is really to, you know, you're not going to do well all the time. So uh, accepting failure is really kind of the first step because um, in order to achieve, we have to fail. Um, no one achieves 100% of the time. Um, I know recently I just made a transition into a new job back in November and it was a complete change of industry for me. Oh, sorry, dog barking. Um, a complete change of industry for me. So, um, you know, but in pursuing that new position, I got rejected from jobs. I mean, I was, I started making an Excel sheet at one point, keeping track of all the jobs I applied for. And then I had to stop because I was starting to become demoralized <laughs> by the amount of rejection letters I was getting. And the thing is, is that that didn't mean that 
there was anything wrong with me. And that didn't mean that I failed. I think that people oftentimes take things like that and really internalize it and make, you know, make themselves feel like they're just not good enough. Um, and failure, you know, that's how we grow. Um, that's how we change. That's how we understand how to better approach a problem. Um, and it's really, you know, your failures that I think are your greatest opportunities for growth. Um, so that, that's the, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is kind of like on the other side of the spectrum, which I think is really, uh, redefining success and owning success, two separate things. So, um, you know, imposter syndrome is funny because it makes us believe that success is contingent on achievement, that in order to succeed, we have to achieve something. And that achievement is often defined by someone else. Um, so when we do actually have successes, we often attribute those successes to something that's like external to us, not to ourselves, because we're always trying to reach that benchmark that someone else has created for us. Um, and it's, it's not measured in that, you know, I, I often like to think that, you know, really success isn't measured by our ability to reach a goal. It's having the perseverance and the bravery to try again in the face of rejection and failure. Um, that's really kind of, I don't know, that's the, the meat and potatoes, I think. Um, the second part of that is owning success. That's something that we also don't do very well. Um, I know for a long time, I was really terrible at taking compliments. Um, and this is um, when, when we talk about imposter syndrome and like, like tactile things that you can do to try and um, do better. The first thing I always tell people is, you know, have some mantras that you tell yourself every day that pick you up and repeat them over and over again to yourself. And the second part is when someone tells you that you've done something well, don't say, oh, it was nothing or, oh, you know, well, so-and-so really did the work or, you know, um, your hair looks nice. Oh, I look terrible. You know, embrace the compliment and just say thank you. Um, and that's something that I think uh, that we as women in particular don't do very well. We don't, I think a lot of women don't take compliments well. And it's a very simple thing that we can do to try and ward off those feelings of imposter syndrome because you know, all the while, while someone's giving us a compliment, we're thinking, oh, I don't deserve this, you know, when really you do. Um, now, do you suffer from this as well as women, or is it majority women? So men, men do as well. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the research and the writings and the blogs and all that stuff, they don't really talk about men as much, which is unfortunate. Um, I think because historically it was focused more on women. Um, but it's high achieving people. I, I would say it's a high achieving person problem has nothing to do with gender. Um, I do think that men and women might have different manifestations of it. I think that the symptoms of it might be a little bit different. Um, and men, what they do, I think from what I remember, men tend to overcompensate. So they'll work more, they'll work harder. Um, because they feel that if they look like they're always busy, that they're less likely to be exposed as a fraud, less likely to be exposed like they don't belong. Um, and so that's, I think that's more common among men versus women. So do you think women don't show busyness or do you think they more likely show 
their feelings of imposter syndrome because obviously women feel more than not saying they show their emotions more than men. That's what I should say. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that you know, I think women in general, I think often talk about their feelings more, but I think that impact it impacts both genders. Um, you know, one thing that I is another tip that I often tell people is, you know, you're not on an island, right? So like imposter syndrome impacts a lot of people. Um, and the feelings of inadequacy and fraud and failure and fear and all these things that you're feeling, someone else is probably feeling that too. And so by creating an environment where these things are okay and having these emotions are human um, and connecting with others who've also had those experiences, it can help um, kind of uh, break open the door, so to speak. And so you're less likely to kind of internalize those emotions and less likely to kind of put them on a pedestal mm -hmm. and then um, kind of let them overcome you. So what is the quote unquote solution to this? I mean, obviously we're gonna have to be more open in our feelings, but some people they can't quite grapple with that so yeah i i think that that the really because i'm i'm a i'm an action person i like like what can i do like what can i do right now to try and make a difference and i think that um acknowledging successes is super important um i like i mentioned um telling yourself having those mantras with yourself like yes, I deserve this. Yes, I've worked hard. Yes, I'm educated. Yes, I have the skills to be able to do this job um, is, is super important. And then so is taking compliments. And these are all very simple things that you can do every day, tactile changes that I think over time kind of change your perspective. Um, I think that, that it's uncomfortable to do those things. It's uncomfortable to, um, when you get a compliment, sometimes you feel uncomfortable. These these things are uncomfortable situations, but you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, you know, there's a quote that I love, um, uh, your, your comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing will ever grow there. Um, and that's exactly how I feel about imposter syndrome. You know, it's it's an uncomfortable process with yourself that you have to go through in order to be able to grow. Um, and so I think that those are three super easy things that you could do on a daily basis. Um, hopefully someone's complimenting you every day. Yeah. Um, that can, I think can make a big difference. Yeah, why do you think it's so hard for us to take compliments though? Oh man, I, I, wish, I wish I knew. <laughs> I think that really it, it comes down to the fact that we think we don't deserve it. And I think, um, Maybe sometimes we're afraid of how we'll be seen if we're seen to be like, oh, thank you, and not um, kind of brush it off like it's no big deal. Uh, maybe we're afraid that we'll be seen as egotistic, um, but it, we're not. It's okay to be good at things. It's okay to have a good hair day. It's okay to do a really good job on a report. It's okay to be good at something. This is, I mean, if people weren't good at things, where would we be? Like, it's it's good. It's a good thing. Um, and feeling proud of what you've done, what you're able to accomplish, feeling proud of, of where you are, 
um, and being able to say thank you with pride to someone who is giving you a compliment um, is huge. We have a comment from Lisa. It says, I sometimes see women who are reinventing themselves, especially when they're 50 plus, they feel their skills may not transfer or they been told they can't do it and don't look the part. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of uh, love this concept. I think oftentimes when we're younger, we think we're a person, we're like this one static individual. But um, I was reading this quote and I, I don't remember who said it, but he was uh, talking about his wife and he was saying that, you know, I've fallen in love with seven different women um, over and over again. And he's talking about his wife because as we progress through life, we are changing, we're adapting, we're having new experiences. I would argue that what's happening globally right now is changing a lot of people's lives um, and is making people think and reevaluate where they are. And I think that a lot of us are going to be different after this. And that's not a bad thing. It's part of our personal growth. Um, and as far as like skill transfer, I mean, this is um, one conversation which has nothing to do with imposter syndrome. Maybe it does peripherally, but um, I have a, a good friend of mine who has been trying to uh, think about what a life outside of academia could look like. Um, she's considering pursuing an academic profession. And I keep telling her like, you know, with a PhD, you don't, you don't have to stay in academics. I know that that's like what we're told we're supposed to do, but I'm a perfect example of that. I left academics, I went into consulting and now I work in pharmaceuticals and your skills transfer in different ways. And really sometimes I think it's a matter of thought, you know, when you, when you get a doctorate, really it's about being able to critically think, apply a scientific method, be able to solve complex problems. Um, and if those skills are transferable to all sorts of professions. Um, so I would say, you know, as far as transferring skills, thinking outside of the box, which I know is easier said than done, um, and really just being open to new experiences and taking risks, because that's, I think, where good stuff can happen. Yeah, especially I will have to chime in on taking risks because I used to be one that hated to be in front of the camera and chats from the blog cabin actually started during COVID. And yeah. that at me. now I'm like booked up until August right now. So, and I'm talking about like the imposter syndrome. I had a, um, a panel on race with um, women of different nationalities. And I had a panel on race with men of different nationalities trying to do the work that, and the conversations that people don't want to have. Yep. And that's the work that needs to happen. Those are the conversations that need to happen. Because again, that's the whole getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. We have to be uncomfortable to grow. Mm -hmm. And here's another um, comment. Speaking of being uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Another comment. I think a lot of us, a lot of it has to do with our comfort zone. It can be uncomfortable to receive praise because all the focus is then on you. And that's true. A lot of times we don't want focus on ourselves. Yep. But it's good when you do something and you accomplish something amazing, let the focus be on you for a little bit. You know, I, I know from, um, you know, friends of mine, especially if you're more introverted friends of mine that are introverted, they don't like the spotlight on themselves. Um, and it can, it can be uncomfortable, but I think that 
even just a little bit, even just starting slowly with saying thank you. And if nothing else, even if you can't externally express that, internally express that. You know, you might be feeling uncomfortable, but those mantras tell yourself, I did do a good job. I did accomplish this. I did deserve that praise. Even though it made me feel uncomfortable, I, I did deserve it. Um, and I think it's all about just starting to change the mindset slowly but surely. Yeah, because we are our own worst critics. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I mean, I'll be the first to say, yes, I have had imposter syndrome. I can criticize, I can criticize myself better than anybody else. <laughs> um, and that's the problem is that we know ourselves the best, right? And so in essence, we can criticize ourselves like no one else can because we see our flaws more than anybody else does. And, and it's so funny because we can encourage others that even though the flaws, we, we have the same flaws as they do, but we can encourage their flaws and get them out of their comfort zone, but we can't encourage ourselves, which I think is kind of- Yeah, there's this great like meme that's running around Instagram and has been for the last few months where it's like, talk to yourself like you talk to your friends, right? Like we're always there to encourage our friends and be like, yeah, you're doing great. You know, you're going to make it through this week. I know that was a tough presentation, but you rocked it. You're awesome. I'm so proud of you. Like what if we took all, all that stuff that we're saying to our friends and started saying it to ourselves? Wow. The world would be such a better place. And right. <laughs> we would actually yeah. go out and out of our comfort zone. And yeah. The people that we want to be, not the people that people think we ought to be. Right. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think that um, we we spend a lot of time feeling like we're not good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and we are. We're all different. We all have skills. We all have things that we're good at. We all have things that we're not good at, too. And that's okay. It's okay to not be good at something. Um, there's another thing that uh, I wanted to mention related to being like an expert, which is a, a unique... Um, problem that I've been dealing with too is, you know, just because you are an expert in something doesn't mean that you're perfect. Yeah. And so that can be challenging sometimes that you don't have all the answers. And just because you don't have the answers doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Um, and it's knowing your own knowledge limitations. And instead of taking that um, instance of not knowing and tearing yourself apart because you didn't know, um, changing that internal conversation to be like, hey, this is an opportunity for growth. I'm going to learn something new. And that's great. That's only going to make you more of an expert, but that doesn't not make you an expert. Yeah, that is so true. And on that one, we're going to switch topics. But real quick, I have to do a sponsor commercial and then we'll be right back. Sounds good. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Summer Sunflower Fields at Odin Farming Company. We'd love for you to come visit with us. We're open Tuesday through Thursday and Sunday from 4 to 8 and Friday and Saturday from 4 to 9. $5 admission includes a visit with the pasture gang, the playground, the beautiful fields, and three flowers to carry home. So come see us at 1426 Claridge Nursery Road, Goldsboro. Check out our website, odomfarmingcompany.com, or follow us on social media. We sure hope to see you soon. And now, because you kind of told us right before this about being an expert, let's talk about your social media and how you're using your social media for good, especially about your writer, about when you're working with companies, 
of having what the representations are. Tell us about that. Yes. Um, so I guess I'll start with the beginning. So I started my blog actually um, because I wanted to showcase diversity and to dispel stereotypes that are often associated with um, high achieving women. Um, I know that I, on various occasions throughout um, the time that I was uh, still doing my PhD and before that, I would meet people and they would say, oh, well, you don't look like a researcher or you're too pretty to sit behind a computer screen. It's like, well, that's that's horrible. Who would ever say that? You know, what kind of stereotypes do we have that exist in the world that say that you have to look a certain way or be a certain person to do a certain job? That's insane. So I started the doctorate really because I had an interaction that really hit me hard and I was like, okay, this is it. I want to show that you can do more and be more. Um, and that to just really dispel what, what a researcher looks like. Um, and so that's kind of how everything evolved. And so a lot of the content that I write about on the blog, which actually is relaunching on, uh, at the end of the month on July 31st, which I'm super excited about. Um, I've been completely revamping it, which has been quite the learning curve. <laughs> but a lot of the content that I talk about, um, you know, kind of spans everything from home stuff. We just renovated our house, so I'll be doing a home tour to, you know, more serious articles. I've talked about um, the women's rights movement. I would say the modern women's rights movement. I've written articles about burnout. I've written articles about resilience. Um, I wrote an article uh, a couple years ago that I still get emails about about making the transition from uh, being a student, leaving, graduating, and then going into a professional position, and then dealing with that kind of transition of time where you know you have that autonomy and embracing um, the confidence and not having imposter syndrome. Um, so I writing about issues um, that impact all of us are very important to me. And so naturally, when um, I would say all of the social justice um, movement and everything that happened with George Floyd um, came to light a few months ago, I was very passionate about not only um, taking time to do the work myself and to learn more about things that happen within the Black community, but also to use my platform as a way to be an advocate for people of color. And one of those ways that I've been doing that, that actually I've, I've had to use recently was when I've been invited for campaigns, I have an inclusion writer. And within that is basically just some basic text where I inquire about the diversity within the campaign. So not just who's been invited to the campaign and the, um, everything and not just not just racially either. I think it's really important sexual orientation, race, age, um, gender, everything. Um, you know, what is the breakdown and are we trying to be equitable? But then I also actually inquire about the stuff that a lot of brands um, are challenged to talk about, which is how much are you willing to compensate? And I want to know the compensation plan as well to make sure that everyone's being compensated equally. And see, not a lot of people would think that. Not a lot of people would think about the compensation being equal. They would just basically want what they want to get, and that's it. 
Yeah, I mean, um, black creators, they don't make as much. And it's, um, our, I feel like it's, you know, I feel a responsibility as a, a, a white creator to stand up for equality, um, to take it upon myself to say, hey, you know, if you're not going to show proof that you're going to be paying people equally, then I don't want to participate. Because in the end of the day, if you're not treating me the same as you would treat someone else, I don't want to be part of it. And see, I think a lot of people, that's where they stop, is they stop when it comes to the dollar value. They stop and don't want to do the equal because all they're seeing is the money that they're coming in or the money they're taking out of their bank account that's not going into their bank account. And that's where it start, things start to get touchy. Yeah, but the dollar, that's power right there. I mean, that's, I mean, that's how we make change. We make change by making demands like this to say, hey, if you want me to participate in your campaign, you've got to make some changes and make sure that you're being transparent with who you're including. And if more people do this, that's how we're going to create change. That is true. Now, have you got a response back from the writer that you sent? I did. Um, and they sent back a very detailed plan uh, and breakdown for, um, I would call it their inclusion statement. Um, and I was very impressed. So that's a win. <laughs> hey, it's a win. Yes, yes. And so hopefully it'll be more interactions like that. You know, I'm hopeful that every time I send that out, which I send that out with any request that I get from a brand um, that I am interested in working with, I will send that out to them um, automatically because, you know, that's, those are the conversations. It's unfortunate that, that I am just now doing those conversations. You know, I was having those conversations maybe starting about two months ago. Um, and I could have had them a long time ago, but just like everyone right now, it's all about making that positive change, becoming an, an active, um, speaker for social justice, not a reactive speaker for social justice. We need to be constantly seeking social justice, not just when something bad happens, something tragic, like what happened to George Floyd. So do you think now the changing of the times now, because obviously you've seen it changed, even though George Floyd happened a, you know, a couple of months ago, you're still seeing it now in the mm -hmm. papers and it's not like it's gone away. People are starting no. to notice more and more that these things are happening. So do you think that's why you got such a positive response back from that one company is because they're willing to make that change and turn the page? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope that's the reason. I um, it's actually a relatively new company, and so part of me by uh, founded by a younger woman, and so I'm hopeful that maybe younger generations might be um, kind of spearheading some of this movement. And I hope that that's that's the case. Um, I also think that you know, hopefully, with the founding of this company, it was something that she kept in mind. Um, they're also you know, passionate advocates for uh, women's rights and other um, social movements as well. So your writer doesn't just include um, people of influence that are of color, but also, like you said, sexual orientation. You know, yes. Whether it's men and men and women, both men and women. Yep. And the reason why is because, you know, I think that um, a lot of times uh, 
companies think, oh, well, I'm gonna reach out about a handbag. Let's just take that as an example. I'm gonna reach out about a handbag. Well, only women will want handbags. It's actually not true. Yeah. And so I think that really um, diversifying your thought process and doing the work of finding creators who are um, not the low hanging fruit, if you will, like really expanding your knowledge base of who might be a good representation for your brand um, is what we need companies to do. Um, and that's, you know, it's just good business. You, you, want, you want good advocates um, for your product and you want it to reach a diverse group of people, right? This yeah. seems like a pretty easy thing, right? So how do we do that? We do that by doing the work of finding creators who are good representations for our brand, who are diverse and show the diversity of that brand. That's true. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I know there's plenty of times that I've gotten that little form email. They want to work with you and they forget to take out the other person's name they sent the email to and yeah. leave it in there or leave the other person's blog. And I'm like, really? Did you even yeah. read my site? Did you even look? And that, that impresses me about a company is when they look at your site and they yeah. can come back and tell you, I like the specific article or I like the tone of your voice or something like that. I would say that, you know, 90% of the inquiries I get, I turn them down. Um, and I, I mean, it's a large percentage because I either don't feel that the company is um, representative of my brand or because my interactions with the brand um, were not positive. Um, and so it becomes a very select pool of people but I think that that's a good thing. I, I think that um, the influencer game is a little strange because I think that some people, um, they just uh, have this kind of wide net, right? And my goal has always been to have a small net, you know? Um, and I have very specific uh, goals in mind for um, for the doctorate, which is why we're doing, I'm doing this blog relaunch. Um, and I want any promotions or collaborations that I do to be reflected with that. And it's reflective of your own personal views as well. So yes. you know, it's not like it's something unnatural for you to come out and say you're for women's right or you're for justice, social injustice, you know, against social injustice. And you want black lives to matter just like you want, you know, um, sexual orientation to not, yeah. you know what I'm saying? For yeah. companies and yeah. so that know you know, that's what, that's what you stand for anyways. Yes. I, um, you know, last year, um, I was a huge advocate for, um, for pro-choice, um, and did a huge spread on my social media related to that, uh, which got a lot of backlash, uh, for, from some folks. But the thing is, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, my platform is my platform. It's supposed to be a representation of me and my views and ideologies. Um, and if you, you know, don't stand up for something when you have, you know, people that are within your social network, why are you even doing it in the first place? Um, why influence if you're not gonna be influencing for good? The greater good, the good that really matters, right? right? Not 
not the dollar, right? That's yeah. not that's not what matters. Yeah. I had one person, a fellow influencer, tell me I couldn't write what, like I read about, you know, feeling kind of depressed. And, you know, I wanted other people to know that there are other women out there and men out there that feel the same thing. And she's like, well, you can't write about that stuff. It's on the internet. You can't write about it. I'm like, yes, you can. It's my platform. I can write about what I want to write. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I mean, I um, I have an article coming out when the blog relaunches. Um, <laughs> I had uh, I had someone tell me towards the beginning of you know quarantine where they said oh you know I or no it was a meme that I read I read this meme that said that they felt bad for newly married couples because they're aging in dog years <laughs> through quarantine <laughs> and I got a chuckle right it made me chuckle but then I thought you know I actually don't really necessarily agree with that I think if anything. Um, it has aged us per se, but I think in like the most positive way possible, where I feel like we've been forced to um, really have uh, conversations when something arises, because it's not like you're, oh, well, I gotta go to this event, right? I have to go leave to go do something else, right? It's like, okay, well, we had a disagreement, we gotta deal with it right, you know, right here and now. Because where else are you going to go, you know? Exactly. <laughs> There's nowhere else to go. <laughs> um, and so I think that, um, that, that this experience has really helped us grow in so many positive ways. And it's funny because when I kind of put that as a perspective out on social media in response to this, this meme that I saw, it got kind of like some negative comments back. And I was really surprised because I think that um, that that's, that's the viewpoint I would like to have. And so I decided, well, I'm going to write an article about that. <laughs> when something's unpopular, that's when you know it's something good. <laughs> I love that. When something's unpopular, that's when you know it's something good. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, that if, to me, and I know that, that through all of this too, I've, I've unfollowed a lot of people. I've um, definitely narrowed my social media scope and and who I'm following because, you know, if you weren't standing up for social justice before, and you're still not standing up for social justice, I have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. And if you are a creator and you have a platform and you have an audience, you should be using that platform for good, the greater good. Yep, that is so true. And I mean, I've actually lost some respect for some influencers because they have gone on like nothing's even happened in this country. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can you just bury your head in the sand and be an ostrich and not realize that you need to, you have a, a platform that God has given you for good to mm -hmm. make a change. Your followers are going to either, you're going to either lose followers or you're going to gain followers. People just don't understand that. And the thing is, to a certain extent, that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Like I know for a long, a long time, I was obsessed with my following number. I mean, like, I was like, oh, I gotta get more followers, gotta get more followers, gotta get more followers. You can't do certain things, certain promotions that you wanna do, work with certain brands. Oh, you don't have a higher following. You don't have enough people, you know? And the thing is, is that that doesn't matter. What matters is that you're creating the content you want to create that reflects 
your values and creativity and inspiration and the things that that get you up in the morning and make you feel like, yeah, like I'm excited to be doing this. Um, and that's what matters, you know, not not all the other stuff. And, you know, you post a photo and no one sees it. Oh, well, you know, can't control that. You know, you just have to be, again, kind of like in pot, you just gotta be confident, right? And know that you're doing something good and you value it. And there are people out there who do value it too, right? Uh -huh. And who cares if it doesn't reach as many people as you want it to, you know? Now, let's talk about your content on your Instagram. Your aesthetic is on point for your Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> Thank so you. You come up with the ideas for your pictures because I'm just like blown away. You know, um, it's uh, it's been a little challenging over the last few months. Uh, inspiration, creativity has been a little tough. Um, and so I kind of find myself in these um, kind of like bursts of creativity. And so a lot of times what I'll do when I feel something, like I wanna do something and I, I feel the inspiration for it, I'll actually write things down. Sometimes I'll sketch them actually. So for example, uh, that photo that you have right there in the garden, I actually sketched that out. I was like, okay, this is the angle I want. And I kind of like figured out the time of day. And then I had my husband come out and take that photo. I set everything up. I told him the angle that I wanted took maybe 10 minutes, snapped it and we were good. Um, but it really, the I like to try and find this, I guess, let me think about this, what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that I think about the meaning behind the photo before I take the photo. So I, it's about what I'm trying to say and the words of what I'm trying to express in the photo before I take it, before I, I make it a reality. Um, and I think that for a long time when I first started creating, it was taking photos and then finding meaning from the photos. And that's, it should be the other way around. You yeah. should be figuring out what that meaning is, that emotion that you're wanting to try to convey and then go out and create it. I found myself doing it in the reverse for a long time. <laughs> and I think that making that switch has um, really uh, changed how I create. And in my opinion, for the better, I, I look at um, what I've done over the last year and feel very proud of it. Yeah, because I've been following you for a while because we met actually on a trip with fellow bloggers to Fayville. That's the first time yep. we each other. Which and was such a great trip. That was such a great trip. Yeah, only if we could go on trips again. I mean, really. I know, I know. That oh. was so much fun. But I've seen your style change and your aesthetics change. And, you know, I mm -hmm. followed you before, but now, you know, I was really like, wow, you know, her pictures are amazing. And the fact that your husband is taking those pictures, I'm like, wow. Yeah, he takes them. And then I have um, my friend, uh, Jessica, who's from Three Region NC. Uh, it's her Instagram name. And uh, she's uh, was our wedding photographer also and, and one of my closest friends. And so she comes and takes photos as well. So between the two of them, those are my my two photographers. Although I did just get a tripod, so I'm gonna try and see if I can do some on my own, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> hey, you're gonna have to tag me on any picture that you post of, of your own, because I wanna see, because I know the detail in the eye is gonna be there anyway, so I wanna see how they turn out. Yep, I, I, I like taking photos, it's just, uh, very hard to take a photo of yourself. So 
we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a try. Um, I have a, a a an idea that I've been wanting to execute for a while, and uh, I tried to do it last week, and um, my tripod broke, so I had to buy a new one. <laughs> Basically, the whole top just like busted off. So, of course, right when you want to do something, that's when right. everything ends up breaking. That is totally true, you know. And of course, I had a little like mini meltdown. I was like, "Gosh, I had this creative vision, and now I can't do it." And then I was like, "Ah, oh, can't get upset about that." So, got a new tripod, stronger. Hopefully, it'll withstand the test of time. Okay. <laughs> now, um, tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. Uh, so. On Instagram um, at the doctorette I added it right here I'm actually glad I did that I didn't know how that tagline would show up that's, that's nice I like that um, so on Instagram at the doctorette um, the doctorette.com will be relaunching on July 31st um, super excited about it uh, there's gonna be a lot of content that's new so including like a home tour some before and afters from our house which I know uh, my community has been uh, very distressed that I haven't posted <laughs> So uh, we're, we're very excited about that. Uh, we had Jessica came in and actually photographed the house a couple months ago. So I've been building out all that content. Um, and then also some photos of our garden. We're gonna do some, some gardening stuff, a lot of interest in uh, how we kind of approach our garden design and all that. So all that's gonna be up on the, up on the new uh, doctorette.com. And otherwise uh, you can always email me at hello at the doctorette.com. Um, if you have any questions or just want to connect, you can always DM me on Instagram. If neither of those, you know, none of that's your option. Um, I also have a Facebook page. You can find me on Facebook if that's more of your uh, preferred method of communication. And um, I do a lot of inspiration on Pinterest. So I'm super active on Pinterest. Um, I think I've got like 200,000 views. I'm super, super active on Pinterest. Um, and a lot of inspiration for our home and other things um, I, I put on there. So um, all of those boards are available. If you're a pinner and that's your thing, uh, you can uh, check that out as well. Um, actually, I'm so excited for the home because I was there when you were talking about you were gonna sign the papers that following Tuesday from when the, I saw you speak in Johnston County. So I'm yeah. excited about it. I've been following along going, okay, when is she yeah. everything? We, um, you know, our major renovations we finished uh, before we moved in, but then it became the tiny things, all the little stuff that we did slowly over time. We just got our new stove. So uh, that was like kind of the finishing touch in the kitchen. That was the last thing. Um, so now that's in there, which is super exciting um, because we actually have a stove that cooks appropriately now. <laughs> um, before, you know, I would I would try to bake and, you know, the whole thing is uneven. It's only hot on one side and <laughs> you know how it goes. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, uh, we're, we're super excited to show it to everybody. And then we also um, just redid our guest room. So that's another uh, project that we did ourselves. Now, are you going to be writing a post about um, the little animals all around you? Yeah, I mean... So Loki's running around here somewhere. I don't know where he is. Nathan's probably trying to wrangle him in so he doesn't bark too much. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's, uh, gosh, I mean, Loki is, um, you know, kind of our inspiration for everything. We jo I actually joke about that in the some of the home posts. 
parents, we always have this joke, or my husband does, that um, you know, everything in the house either matches Loki or matches some shade of nail polish that I was wearing at the time when we made the, re the renovations. <laughs> so for example, our kitchen is this really beautiful green color, um, which is almost exactly the same color as my car. And he noticed that. And then he noticed um, when we were renovating our uh, the paint in our dining room, we were in there and they had just finished all the paint and he like looked down at my fingernails and he was like, that's the same color as the wall. And I was like, no, it's, it's not the same color. It's <laughs> now you like something, you want to have it all over the place. I mean, you it's know what it's true. It, it, it's true. Uh, green is kind of my default. It's like, what color? Green. Green is the greenest color. <laughs> now also I came with your house too, right? Am I correct? Oh, yes. Tortilla. Yes, Tortilla. Yes, she is a uh, very, very old turtle who lives in our backyard. Yes. And you guys have kind of made her your own, right? Yeah, yeah. She, uh, you know, she roams around back there. Uh, we don't we don't see her too often every now and again, you know, um, but she loves the raspberry bushes in our backyard. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't love raspberry bushes in their backyard? I mean, come on. <laughs> ours, ours are getting ready for round two. They just, uh, they finished their first round and um, they're actually coming back a little earlier than I am. I'm looking out the window as we talk. Uh, they're coming back a little earlier than I expected them to. So we're going to have some more raspberries soon. We also have uh, uh, thornless uh, blackberries out there. We have black raspberries, fig tree, plums, lots of stuff. <laughs> But the house, did they already, the garden already there? Did you guys plant? So um, the raspberry bushes, um, the fig tree, one of the fig trees, um, all the berries, they were already there. We have a pomegranate as well, which has some pomegranates growing right now. And those were already there. Um, one of the things that really drew us to this house, because you'll see in the before and afters, this was quite uh, the strange interior. We had to do a lot of creative thinking uh, when it came to the redesign of this house. In fact, this office um, used to be, I guess kind of where I'm sitting right now, used to be a hallway uh, and there was a bathroom behind me and kind of this strange setup. So we, we knocked all this down, we moved the bathroom, we put this wall up right here. And on the other side of this wall is actually our master bathroom. Oh, cool. um, so, uh, in in doing all of that you know what really sold us was the yard the yard was beautiful uh you know we are on um 0.35 acres and um five minutes from downtown durham so we're super close and whoever lived here before really loved to garden they loved being outside they planted some beautiful um uh, fruits and um you know these things that would take years for us to cultivate on our own um, and we're, we're huge gardeners too. So out there we have, you know, a huge cutting garden for flowers. Um, we've got all kinds of fruits and vegetables growing right now, um, which unfortunately aren't, we've got a cucumber that's given me a lot of stuff, but I'm, I'm ready for the tomatoes. So <laughs> I think everybody's ready for the tomatoes. I think people oh have gosh. relationships with tomatoes. I know we have, we have a lot of tomato plants and I'm, I'm ready for tomatoes. Um, all we're getting right now are the little, the little cherry tomatoes. Those are ripening up, but the big ones haven't come in yet. So we're waiting patiently or impatiently, I guess. 
Well, Nicole, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share with us? Oh my gosh. Um, I guess, you know, related to imposter syndrome that um, really, again, you know, if you are feeling inadequate, you're not alone. All of us feel inadequate at some point. And at the end of the day, um, we all do the best that we can. And that should make, hopefully, make you feel good about yourself at the end of the day. That even if you don't accomplish everything on your to-do list, um, which I know I never do, you know, I never check everything off. Um, I feel like as much as I check off, I'm adding things on, yep. you know? Um, that doesn't mean that you aren't worthy and that doesn't mean that you haven't accomplished something. And that doesn't mean that, um, you don't, uh, deserve, um, the accomplishments and the recognition of, of accomplishing something. Well, I definitely would say you deserve everything and more. And I thank you so much for coming. Thank on. you. <laughs> and see, you accepted the compliment. You took your own advice. I know. I know. We're, we're, yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> this has been fun. Yeah. You can follow Nicole. I have it scrolling on the bottom at, on Instagram at the doctorette. And hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Wow, what a great chat with Dr. Nicole Cranley from the Doctorette. The statistics show that 70% of people experience some form of imposter syndrome in their lives. It's called the plaque of the high achievers. I loved it when she said that our failures are how we grow. Don't you think that's an amazing way to think about our failures? Because honestly, folks, most of the time when I fail, I really get kind of in a slump. So what a great way to think about it. Remember, I have turned these chats from the blog cabin into not only this podcast, but they also show up first as Facebook Lives. And then I end up putting the interviews on YouTube. So if you miss any of them, you can always check them out here on the podcast. Go to my Facebook page, Adventures of Frugal Mom, or check out chats from the blog cabin on YouTube. You, especially if you want to see the faces behind the voices. Thank you for being part of the Chats from the Blog Cabin family. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and to leave a rating or review. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. And guess what? Remember, keep chatting. Hey, y'all. If you know me in real life, you know that what you see is what you get. I'm pretty authentic. But you'll also hear me say how much I love supporting worthwhile causes and people. I feel like support, that's basically where you put your money, is the most powerful tool that the internet has to offer. And it gives you a voice to your dollars. The cool folks at Anchor have made a way for you to support your favorite podcasts, such as Chats from the Blog Cabin. If you're in the U.S., you can visit my podcast profile on desktop or mobile browser to give a little monetary support each month. Whatever you can afford, basically. If you do want to donate, it will be greatly appreciated. So go to my page, Chats from the Blog Cabin. You can find my page at anchor.fm backslash Chats from the Blog Cabin. I'll do my best to pay it forward through content and giving back.